Hi, and welcome to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. Being ambitious and successful while living a happy life is possible. Learn how you can better cope with stress in day-to-day -day situations by applying tools and techniques that work for you. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm extremely grateful that you decided to check out my podcast today. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm super excited and so happy that you chose to spend a little bit of time with me today and to listen to this really inspiring podcast interview with Lisa Sue. She's a manager at Google, and I had the pleasure to interview her for you today. And yeah, I'm super excited. I'm just super inspired right now talking to her. She has a really fascinating story. And I think a lot of the things that she's talking about, there's something in that story that you can identify with as well. I think we all have these little things in life that we are sometimes struggling with. And I think she addresses a lot of them. And she shares a lot of really cool tools as well of how she has started um, to really manage her stress, how she has managed um, her time better, how she has prioritized time with her family more. And yeah, I'm just really, really excited to share this podcast episode with you. And before we jump in, I want to make sure that if you're listening to this podcast episode today on Monday, the 2nd of December, then the doors to my eight-week online program have officially opened. And I, of course, wanted to make sure that you are aware and that you know that you can head over now to my website and be part of the 2020 From Stress to Empowered online coaching community. I am going to start a live coaching program on January 10th with some of you and I'm going to teach you everything there is to learn about how to stay a high achiever at work, how to implement really powerful tools into your day-to-day -to, -day to better manage your stress, to better manage your time, to set boundaries, to learn about how you can manage stressful situations when you're going through a lot of different reorganizations, new managers, new teammates, new projects, all the fun things. And of course, at the same time, as you know, I also always want to teach that you can create a beautiful life for yourself and that the life that you're creating does not have to be stressful all the time. I want to show you that you can create a beautiful, fulfilled life and that you can take care of your stress and staying the high performer that you are today. So from December 2nd, I think to December 4th, which should be the Wednesday, is there's a special Cyber Monday sale. So if you're heading over to my website, bluemountainmindfulness.com forward slash courses, then you can sign up for the Cyber Monday price for the next three days. So make sure to head over there and check it out. And then the registrations will be open for another 10 days and we are closing the doors to the 2020 program on December 16th. So if you are interested to be part of the community, which which I would love so much, I would love to see you there. I would love to help you. I would love to build the new life with you together. Then make sure that you're heading over and registering for the course. It will be a live program. It will be 30 minutes per week live coaching call. And you will be able to interact with me afterwards, ask questions, get some coaching tools and coaching input from me as well. You will have a wonderful workbook. There's all these really cool things. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about all of it, but just make sure to head over to the website and check everything out. 
And yeah, I already have a few people that have already said that they will definitely sign up. And those people are from consulting companies like McKinsey, from tech companies like Google. And um, we have a private community as well for all of the people that are part of the community that you can interact with and that you can get to know if you want to um, in order really to support each other and to hear each other's stories and yeah, and make this a powerful movement into the right direction of being preventive in your stress management instead of reactive. Lisa actually talks a little bit about the program as well. She has been part of the program last summer and she actually talked about, which I thought was so important. She talks about how she wasn't super stressed when she took the program, but it definitely helped her to you know, be a much better performer at work. She just got her promotion at the end of this year as well. I think a very good sign that she's been doing all of the right things while feeling less stressed and focusing more on her family, actually, which I think is just a beautiful reminder that when we actually take the pressure off a little bit, we can still perform very well. So with that said, I am also always really, really grateful if you leave me a rating and a review on iTunes in order to help other people with this topic as well. Um, sometimes when I'm sitting here in my office, it can feel a little bit lonely and I'm wondering who is listening to the podcast and who am I really helping with this? Is it really worth it to spend all this time and energy to do the videos, you know, present all of the different information that I have? And so if you would come over and leave me a review, I would really appreciate that. And yeah, if you know anyone that needs help in their stress management, in their time management, in setting better boundaries, then just share the podcast with them and tell them they should be listening. Maybe give them some of your favorite podcast episodes that you've been listening to. And that's all I wanted to say for now. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being with me here um, for the last year almost. We're getting really close to the first anniversary of the podcast and I am forever grateful and happy that you are doing on this journey with me together. So with that said, let's jump into the podcast interview with Lisa Sue and I talk to you really, really soon. With gratitude, Julia. I'm super excited to have Lisa today on the podcast. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Hi, Julia. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's uh, snowed in, uh, almost a foot of snow in Lake Tahoe um, overnight. <laughs> That's fun. It is. It's, um, it's, it's nice when the storm is over and there's actually... Um, yeah, and there's actually, you know, visibility because when it, while it's snowing, it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we drove last year in the in the snow and it was really quite treacherous. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but otherwise I'm fine. Um, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. And before we're jumping into a few questions, maybe just pick us up where you are right now. Where are you located and uh, what time is it and what have you been up to today? Sure. Um, so it, I'm in Mountain View. Um, I'm in one of the offices, uh, one of the newer offices in, in Mountain View. Uh, it is the day before Thanksgiving in the afternoon for me, and I've just had a full day of back-to-back -back meetings. So I'm really looking forward to the four-day weekend. Yeah, nice. Um, so tell us a little bit more about what you're doing um, and which office you're sitting and yeah, what your work entails. Yeah, so... Um, 
Currently, I lead a team um, of developers and product owners to build internal tools to support operations, so uh, Google operations. <coughs> Excuse me. Specifically, the um, I work right now. I'm working on ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing this for uh, in varying degrees of management. Um, I've been doing this for like 10 years now, but more recently I've started to actually manage a, a full team. Mm -hmm. And um, how many people is that in total? Now I have four. Okay. And um, how, so you said you've been doing this in varying degrees for 10 years. Is that how you started? Did you go right from college into, uh, into the tech world? No, I am. Um, I actually had a very uh, circuitous uh, trajectory. Okay. I spent, um, I think if, You asked me 10 years ago, where was I? I was trying to find a role that could marry my passions and, and things that I was competent at with, um, <clears throat> with an opportunity to grow. And I had not, I had not found that 10 years ago. So um, out of college, I studied computer science and electrical engineering. And I went into patent law, actually. Oh, wow. And that was a mistake, <laughs> but it was a, you know, we all make mistakes and I think mistakes are one of the, the best ways to learn. And so mm -hmm. it was a mistake where I learned a lot about myself and about what I didn't like um, and what I couldn't do. Um, and it, it helped me kind of land where, where I was with a, with a good manager who believed in me and gave me opportunities to grow. Um, and that kind of is what led me down this tools path that I've been on since. Yeah. And so what, what did you, what do you, I'm actually really curious about this. What, what were your passions and what was maybe difficult at the time 10 years ago to, uh, you know, combine and find something that where you could find a job in that? Yeah. So, um, growing up, so I, I'm a first generation, um, Taiwanese American. So my mom and my sister immigrated here, um, almost 40 years ago. And, uh, the culture that I grew up with was around just work really hard, just work really hard. And there's nothing you can't do if you don't work hard. Mm -hmm. And that culture persisted with me through high school and through college where, um, when I, when I started college, uh, I had always thought, you know, well, maybe I'll do journalism, for example, or maybe I'll do it. It was always in the literary side of things. And then I ended up at MIT, where uh, the literary side of things is not MIT's core strength. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up, um, you know, kind of going, following the, the flow of my peers, where everybody just ended up in computer science. And it was a hard major, and therefore it was worthy of, of working for Mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, what my inclinations were, or what my passions were. So I really grew up without an understanding of what I could do, what I liked doing, what mm -hmm. I wanted to do. It was always about, you know, no, no challenge is too great that you can't apply enough um, effort to mm -hmm. overcome. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of college and I realized I actually hated programming and really didn't suit my personality at all. And, um, you know, what was I going to do with this degree that I felt couldn't really take me down the, the traditional paths of like software developer or product manager. Mm -hmm. um, I grasped at kind of like the first thing that came across that was different that could still allow me to use my education. And mm -hmm. that was patent law. Um, 
and so yeah so so the the what i had to do in my late 20s and early 30s was figure out how to listen to myself and how to understand what it was that i was um implicitly motivated to do mm-hmm. um, and follow that path as opposed to um trying to kind of brute force myself past every obstacle mm-hmm. yeah I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's, I think a lot of people can connect or, you know, can find themselves in that story. And it's, it's, you know, it's a process and it's a journey um, when we are going into different career areas and to find really what we love to do. So I love that you shared that. Thank you so much. Um, We've been working together and, you know, um, we've known each other for almost a year now. I've thought about this um, just before jumping on the podcast. And we actually met, I think, in January um, this year where you attended one of my stress management trainings. And that's kind of how we started to talk with each other. And you, you know, told me a little bit more about your story of you know being just I think newly appointed manager at the time start starting to take care of more people um, and then also telling me that you have two kids at home and that everything is starting to feel a little bit overwhelming um, tell us a little bit about um, what was what happened then like what happened in January maybe how old are your kids and what were the challenges that you were facing yeah um, that's a pretty big question. I'll try to answer it um, as best I can. Uh, I have two kids. One is seven years old and one is three years old. So there's, they're four years apart, um, which I love. They're, they're really great together. The older one takes good care of the little one. They're far enough apart that they don't really compete in any, um, you know, uh, yeah. conflicting ways. Yeah. And so we're, we're mostly pretty happy with that. But my older one has um, actually consistently had some challenges developmentally and started when he was just a baby and he like could not sleep and it, and that kind of spiraled into behavior problems and and other issues so I've been I feel like I've been juggling with kind of um, developmental and behavioral parental concerns for the better part of my <laughs> my parenting life yeah um, and that was hard enough uh, you know at, from a personal life standpoint. Um, and then I became a manager and I think I had always wanted to become a manager because I had always felt very strongly that I would care about the people that I managed and that that was important enough for, like it wasn't about visibility or climbing the ladder for me. It was about taking care of the people that um, I could help grow. And even though it's, been challenging to do that job um, and grow in that space. I think it's important because otherwise you're left with a bunch of cohorts of people who just want it for the next promo. And I think it's important to offset that and and to put some balance in the system. Mm -hmm. But what was challenging was that I felt very much a lot like now I had, I'm not trying to compare my people or people in general at work to children. It's not, that's not what the comparison tried to make, but you do, you do kind of extend yourself beyond the normal um, scope and you do end up caring so much more about them across the board and well-being and how does your actions impact them. Um, and these are things that I was grappling with a lot at home, how my actions as a, as a person and my needs were impacting my children. Um, and particularly the the child that I was having 
um, you know, a lot of developmental issues with. Mm -hmm. And so it got very overwhelming because it felt like there was so much I was held accountable to and I was responsible to. And, um, you know, some, there was some reluctance and some resistance as well of resentment, right? Like, why can't they just deal with me as a human? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was, I think, the hardest part about the transition to managing Mm-hmm. Uh, was just the increase in the amount of things that I felt like I care needed to care about and was um, felt a lot of responsibility to do right. Mm-hmm. How do you feel today? So now it's December, almost December. Sorry, it's no, at, at the end of November. I'm already in December in my mind. <laughs> um, how do you feel today? So... I'm a little bit more comfortable with today because I, um, at the time when we first met, I didn't, my team hadn't started yet. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole lot of stuff that you have to build up, um, you know, the psychological safety and the trust with people over time. Um, and I think over time, I've been very transparent with my team in saying, you know, I, I try to be very clear, right? Like when I was an IC, there was a part of me that thought leaders should or did know everything. And therefore I held them to a very high standard. Mm -hmm. And I'm very clear with my team that like, I will do my best and I probably have some visibility that they don't and some experience that they don't. But I will never think that I know or, um, or can be held accountable to more than my human nature allows me to know. And that, so I'm very clear with them about, the fact that I must have biases and the best I can do is be aware of them and be open to hearing them tell me if they've observed a bias I'm not aware of. And that I must also make mistakes and therefore we work together to lift each other up as opposed to trying to set myself up as some kind of pillar of you know knowledge and um, truth that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I think that's helped lessen the burden a bit at, on the work front. Um, and then at home also coming around to the realization that like my child may not ever be the child that I would have molded or crafted if I could control everything, Mm -hmm. but that the best I can do is to nurture who he is. Um, and respect who who that is, and control my my reactions as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so very similar, right? With in the home life of trying to of uh, disavowing the control and the ownership of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those th- that has been helpful in in finding some balance. Yeah, that's awesome. And what helped you in this process? Because it sounds like, you know, there was Lisa in January that, you know, like there were lots of challenges and, you know, probably a lot of frustrations as well around um, how can I control all, all these different things to, to you today? Um, I mean, I've, I've always been um, kind of like a growth mindset learning advocate. And so, you know, I took your course Um, not because I was at the time super stressed or about to break, but because I felt like there was an opportunity there to learn, um, tools that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I did learn a lot from, from your stress management course. And similarly, I applied 
I apply that throughout. So I've had, you know, coaches and mentors and books and um, therapy and just kind of like bringing every possible resource um, Mm -hmm. to bear, right? And not just relying on myself and I'm going to do it this way or I'm going to try to figure out how to do it the other way, but always trusting in others to Mm -hmm. see clearer than I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And that trust extends, you know, to Mm -hmm. coaches, my mentors, my family. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I love that you say that because, um, you know, I often get that question also from other people of like, how did I overcome my challenges, you know, or anyone and for that matter. And I think it's always, it always takes an army <laughs> really to kind of form you and shape you because at some point in your life, you might really enjoy reading a book because you really connect with the content or, you know, at some point in your life, you might need a counselor or a therapist to go a little bit deeper and there are coaches and there are programs. There's all these different things. And I, I'm reading a lot about the growth mindset at the moment. And that's so fascinating because just by switching your thought or like yeah just being aware of how you think and asking yourself if you're on the fixed mindset or on the growth mindset can really change your whole life and can change your how you're experiencing life and I think it's really beautiful to know that you really have the power to choose how you want to live your life mm-hmm. and so tell me a little bit more about what what kind of changes you made this year in order to better manage your stress and be available to your kids, be available to your new um, reports? Um, what what did you integrate into your life that really made a difference? Yeah, it's hard to say top, you know, three or top mm-hmm. five um, in this context. But I think um, I I learned, and I think I was forced to learn. Um, two things. One, one is around kind of managing my time, mm-hmm. and the other one is around managing my commitments. Mm-hmm. So, managing my time, I think, um, you know, when I first started becoming a manager, my day just totally got away from me. People would put one on ones randomly here and there, and suddenly there would be an escalation, and I would have meetings. And then before I knew it, I would have missed lunch. I'd be in back-to-back meetings. I'd be running late, you know, going to the bathroom. And that just caused a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also had, you know, always have having a hard stop, right? Like I couldn't start by a certain time in the morning because of the children. And I always had to stop by a certain time in the evening to pick them up. And so having to stop myself, like my brain mid-thought or mid-flow or mid-conversation every single day and never being able to feel like I could finish that was very hard. So in terms of time management, I think I've gotten a little bit better. I learned this tool from from your course, but in terms of like blocking my days out. Mm-hmm. So there's now one day where I, um, you know, concede to back to back. And that's okay, because if I'm going to be forced to context switch four times, I might as well be forced to context switch eight times or 10 times or whatever that is in my day. It's yeah. not like I'm going to be able to recapture an hour of super productive work in between. Mm -hmm. So I try to stuff all of that in. And then with the time that frees up scattered throughout my week, then I try to block off solid blocks of time Mm -hmm. where I can actually get something done or feel like I'm completing a task um, to my satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Um, So managing my time has been uh, really, really helpful. In terms of managing commitments, this one is around, um, 
you know, just juggling work and personal schedules for people's doctor's appointments, for people's school, you know, like two people's school commitments and two people's work deadlines and, mm-hmm. um, you know, 40 fingernails to cut every week, yeah. 20 <laughs> loads of laundry. I mean, all of that stuff just adds up and, and takes um, energy away. So I think um, being okay also with saying, okay, what is the P0? And P0, I, um, I've been able to, I've even told myself, for example, we just had our last um, perf cycle and I spent probably about a week assuring myself that if I didn't get a promotion, that that would be fine because my priorities are with my children. And therefore, do I want to drive myself crazy nailing down my packet when I could be spending that time with my children? Do I want to come home stressed out because I didn't do enough at work or feel like I didn't do enough at work? And the answer to those questions was no. And it, and it made it very clear to me that the promo would come someday, but I could never get that back the time with my children. Mm-hmm. And so coming to that realization and knowing what commitments are P0s and what commitments are not mm-hmm. really also helped, um, helped me balance kind of the stress, day-to-day stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to talk with you about self-care and about um, spending time on your own or for yourself as well, because as you have, you know, all the, all the people that you manage and that you take care of at work and then obviously your family at home, where do you find time for yourself and how did you, how did you make that a priority too? It's a good question. Um, I think one big realization I had was that self-care actually didn't take that much time if I was doing it right. Mm -hmm. I think my husband and I were doing it wrong for a very long time and we still do. I think it's our tendency to want to just, you know, after a long day, veg out and watch something or, you know, watch, binge watch something or mm-hmm. um, scroll through internet feeds that don't actually rejuvenate you. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we don't fall susceptible to that still, but there are times when I recognize I'm stressed and, and I'll know now that um, I should sleep instead of spending two hours scrolling through BuzzFeed, for example. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, um, it's like an instant reset. And so I don't have to make the right choices all the time because as long as I make the right choices more, I'm already better off. Yeah. So self-care definitely doesn't take as long as I thought it did. It's like a, you know, 10, 15 minute bath um, or it's five minutes to journal in the morning um, or it's, you know, one therapy session a month kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And doing those uh, things and, and realizing that it, it's not such a cumbersome investment uh, really helps me. It's like self-fulfilling too. So now I know that it doesn't take that long and I can you know, put the phone down and I can go sit and read if I, if I need to. Mm-hmm. And what are your, usually your signals when you know, okay, now is the time where I need, I need this like relaxation period for myself? Do you, are you better at like reading your own signals? I don't think I'm better at reading my own signals, but I think, um, you know, it takes a village and I think I have my children and my husband as instant feedback on my signals. Like, you know, if they look scared, like, whoa, mommy, (laughs) why why are you raising your voice? Um, I think that feedback I'm much more receptive to than I used to be. 
um, and to hear that and say, oh, you know, actually, this is me. This is not you. This is not you pushing me beyond my comfort zone. This is actually me having my bucket too full and needing to do something to, to rejuvenate. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I've gotten better personally identifying it, but I am more receptive when other people tell me. Yeah. And did you in integrate a morning routine or evening routine since we started working together? Yeah, um, off and on. I think it, it vacillated depending on um, other <laughs> external circumstances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like the morning time, um, one of the biggest differences um, that I reaped from your course was I now don't look at my phone in the morning and read through emails. And that used to be the first thing that I did. And I would immediately get kind of like escalated and um, at the same time, worried about work, but being unable to do anything about it because I had the next hour with the children, for example, getting them ready for school and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so not looking at my phone, even until I have the attention to give that the work has really helped me um, be present with my children at home as well. So that morning routine works well. And then the evening routine um, I also got from you, which is more around um, prioritizing sleep than all the stuff that doesn't um, rejuvenate me. So uh, I'll read a book until I'm sleepy and go to, and, and go to sleep as opposed to, you know, try as opposed to like trying to, stay up until a reasonable hour, like 10 o'clock and, <laughs> you know, watch, <laughs> yeah. watch videos until then. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's so funny that you say that because so many people still have that kind of magic number in their minds of like, I can't go to sleep before 10, 10 o'clock because that's what adults do. Or, um, you know, that's, that's only when I'm allowed to go to sleep. I think it's funny that really a lot of adults and people think that way. And that when you point them into that direction of you don't have to do that and you can also go to bed at eight o'clock in the evening if you're feeling tired and that will be much better for you <laughs> than sitting another two hours in front of a screen is um it's really it's really fascinating yeah. yeah um did you have any big realizations over this year i i feel like i'm seeing elisa that is a lot more relaxed today if I can make this observation. It is the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I just finished all my meetings, so I am much more relaxed. Um, I think I did have some realizations. Uh, I think the biggest one I've come to accept, it's not a realization. I've always known this, but I haven't always accepted it as something that I could change my behavior around, was that I, have, I tend to have higher expectations than others. So... Mm -hmm. If you collect a group of 10 people and their expectations around something, I will tend to be the one with the highest expectations around that something. Mm -hmm. um, and realizing that has helped me um, be more aware when there doesn't need to be that difference. Like I don't need to push everybody so hard, everybody around me and including myself, I don't need to push all of us so hard mm -hmm. to reach something that um, for the most part, nobody may even notice. Um, and then I think the, I, I mentioned this earlier as well, but, um, I think realizing that I'll never get to redo my children's childhood and that it's important for me to be here for it, that, you know, promos and opportunities can wait. I think that's, that's, was the other important thing that helped me find peace. Mm. 
Yeah, and that's a really big shift. Um, was was it like did something happen in your life, or did you hear about something that really made you make that shift? Because I think a lot of people are you know can identify with the Lisa maybe before of you know always having the highest expectations and always um, making ourselves making our own self-worth almost also dependent on these external factors and recognitions and rewards what 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 made that what what happened there i'm really curious um so it's a good question i think it was a confluence again of, of a lot of um a lot of different conversations that i've had with people i have a former manager for example who has every time i've brought up their trajectory and, and their growth to them they've always kind of been very modest about it and brushed it off and said oh you know I'm not worried about that it'll come and it'll come and when I was you know um, earlier on in my career I kind of I think I thought well you don't have to worry because you're senior enough or you've you know you've reached a level enough um, right but and when I get there I'll I will too right I'll, I'll feel fine I'll feel settled and it'll be be okay but for now it's okay for me to be driven and I did also like I, I just wrote them off a lot but the more um, the more I think about it from my own perspective the more I realize that I think th that I think that feeling comes from you there's only so much you can control mm -hmm. I could do 500 percent of my work and I could still not get a promotion <laughs> or I could still not get that opportunity. Um, right. Because there's just so many external factors that are out beyond your own control. And so kind of giving enough before you think you can do everything and everything um, you can affect a change in and giving credence to the unknown and the fact that there are priorities beyond the, beyond that one, value right to go to to get promoted to get recognition um to have impact etc like there's i can have impact and i could not get promoted mm -hmm. and which one do i care more about and i ultimately care more about being myself and having impact mm -hmm. so i think that's a really circuitous way of saying i finally came around to my former manager's perspective but it's because I realized just how little you can actually control it. And so why, why try to control the things you can't? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And curious, did you actually get the promotion this cycle then? I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really, really... Also out of my control, right? That was out of your control. A lot of luck. It's, there's luck, probably. I'm sure that there's also obviously skill and uh, hard work behind this. But one of the things that I think is really important, and I really want to highlight this actually here, is that we are all high achievers and we are all high performers and we know what we need to do in order to get there. And we know how to work hard, right? But kind of accepting that piece of like control and relaxing a little bit into it, which doesn't mean, I'm sure, that you have stopped doing great work or you know prioritizing certain things as well in the work sense often brings you there in a much more relaxed and happy state than if you're starting to grind and if you're starting to be frustrated and you're pushing and like you said you're working 500 percent um and you know 
it, like there's just not as much that you can do because there's just certain things that are out of your control. I hear that a lot, that if people relax into it, they still do their job and they're still really great, high-performing people, but they will get there in a very easy, much easier way as a, I think, a very beautiful way to look at it. And I'm, yeah, congratulations, of course. For the <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think this is challenging because, I mean, you could call it hypocritical in some sense because now I'm, I am at, the, I'm one level more. And obviously, you know, looking back, I feel relaxed about it, but I think, um, like what would have, how would I feel today if I hadn't gotten that promotion yeah. is, is the question. Right. And I think, um, I really think being able to grapple with like, what would be unforgivable to me is if I had put 500% and still didn't get that promotion and sacrificed everybody's happiness in its wake. So my own, my family's, right? Like throwing every everything below um, in priority to that promotion. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't have been able to live, my, live myself that way. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has to consider for themselves, what are they willing to sacrifice and what are they not willing to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. um, and be okay with that choice, right? Like let it be a deliberate choice. Don't let yourself be carried away by the rat race, right? Like we're not just running because there's a treadmill and, and it's telling us to run. We should deliberately choose when to run and when to not run and being okay with the um, expected consequences of that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the, the best way forward. Great. Um, I always have a couple of questions at the end of each podcast. So I want to kind of move into that. What are you most grateful for today? Um, so I really think I'm most grateful for the people who have invested in me and the, the village you speak of, you know, that have helped me grow and have, um, believed in me. And so you, thanks to you for the stress management, my coaches and my, my mentors here, um, my family, I think just the people that, that hold you up. Yeah. It's so important, people, in stress management. I think when I go back to all of the podcast interviews that I've had until today, I think 95% of the people answer this question with some type of people. <laughs> oh, my family, my friends, my supporters, you know. I, and I think that's really beautiful because that's really what matters at the end of the day because we all care about being loved and having a, you know, loving relationships with our family and with our friends and I think it's always, I love that always, no matter what type of people I talk to, this comes, comes back. So great. Um, I also always ask the question if there's like three wisdoms that you live by, your, that you live your life by, or that, you know, that have really kind of come out in your life that you think are really, really important for you today. Um, yeah, so I think I, I alluded to this before, and I think this was an important lesson for me from a work standpoint. But the fact that um, I, I guess I come from um, a hierarchical culture, right? so like your elders and your parents are infallible. Um, and that doesn't translate in America. <laughs> it does, actually shouldn't exist in any, you know, like, I don't think it translates well in Taiwanese culture either. But at least in America, nobody presumes that. And I think coming to realize that leaders are as fallible as anyone else mm -hmm. and you can't expect them to be superhuman. That was very important for me to know. 
um, to be able to give uh, give a little bit of leeway to people when they let me down also is in that realization that no one is perfect um, and everybody is kind of trying their best. So that's, I think, one thing that has helped me um, move forward with myself. Mm-hmm. The other one, um, this came from Becky Cotton, who was one of my first mentors at Google. Um, and she was the one that taught me to start listening to my gut. But she was, um, she was about you know, honoring feelings um, and trusting but verifying your instincts. So she had me go through for, I think, a couple of months just noticing when my gut said something. And then checking it again later on to see like, okay, what was it? What did it tell me? What was true? What wasn't true? Where, where did it lead me right? And where did it maybe lead me wrong? Mm-hmm. And I think fine tuning that helps me um, really be much more in tune with myself in ways that I had not learned to be when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I know you asked for three, but that's, <laughs> I think that's I think it is three. Two. No, I think it is three. because you talked about the leadership um i think you talked about you know that nobody is perfect and that we need to see that in other people as well that they're always trying their best they don't do things on purpose usually (laughs) um and number three is um yeah following your gut maybe more and your intuition and fine-tuning that as well i think that's really that's really important um and something that we are very good at ignoring most of the time as well right um, did you have any books, because we we're talking about the village earlier and that there's obviously books involved as well. Is there a book that you have maybe read multiple times or that you felt really inspired by or that something that really made a transition or change in your life? I have a couple, actually, if you yeah. don't mind. I'm so I'm no. going to list them out. There's quite a few. So um, one that resonated really strongly with me recently was Michelle Obama's Becoming. Mm. I, um, I found her story to be very uh super like I could resonate to her story um, of growth and and of the challenges she faced Um, I've previously read a book by Pixar's CEO on I think it's called Creativity Inc Mm -hmm. I always found that really really interesting um, how creativity is not magic it's not free that there's a lot of hard work blood sweat and tears that goes into it um, and that's kind of hidden from a lot of people outside of whatever, um, you know, like Pixar. You don't know how much, how many years and how many frames and how many things they throw away. Yeah. And to, to hear about that firsthand and to know that that is the creative process and that is everybody's creative process, even the best um, of the best. I think that's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. There's a talk that Carla Harris has given on um, I think it's on your presence. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's a leader with Morgan Stanley, I believe, um, and I, I she's got done a lot of talks. But if you look up Carla Harris, I, I think that she her her, um, her presentation on having the right presence uh, was very eye opening. Um, and then uh, there was a book called Raising Happiness, which I found to be very instructive on how to um, how to change your frame of mind so that you're not anchoring on the negative stuff, but being open and able to be more positive. Mm-hmm. And then there's, <laughs> there's flow, which is about how we work and being able to 
needing to find that flow to be happy. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, Becky Cotton, there's a podcast within Google. So if there is any Googlers who, who are watching this, there's a podcast um, called What Becky Knows. Mm-hmm. And in that podcast, she cites a poem um, and you really need to listen to it from her firsthand, but she cites a poem called Somebody's Mother by Mary Dalbrine. And it's Becky's way of um, bringing humanity back into a world where we try to resourceify everything and try to make everything, uh, you know, about numbers and about data and about um, statistics. But where's the human behind all of that? Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for all those <laughs> cool tips. There's another book that came to my mind when you said, when you talked about the creativity book um, from the Pixar CEO, it's called um, Big Magic from Elizabeth Gilbert. She's the writer that also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And I love that book. She talks about, you know, how hard it is to be an author and a writer and um, how things come to you and they go away. And it's, it's really beautifully written so if you um, if you look for other books maybe over the holiday it's pretty it's a really small book actually but yeah big magic from elizabeth gilbert is really beautiful thank you i yeah. will sign up cool awesome um so what's next for you what's next in 2020 for you so this is a hard i think this is a really hard question for me um i i feel like every time i look up five years have gone past and i don't know what happened um, so I think what's next for me is figuring out how to slow things down mm-hmm. and to be with my children. Um, my husband and I are starting to look at each other and say, why are we, you know, why are we working so hard if we don't actually end up getting to spend this time with our children and enjoy uh, the fruits of our labor? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think if um, what's next is me figuring out how to get off the ship for a little bit. Mm-hmm you know, get off the ship and, and, um, prioritize other things. Nice. That's beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. So if somebody is listening right now and they would like to get in touch with you, I don't know if that's an option for you, but if it is, um, how would they best reach out to you? Yeah. Um, I'm always happy to talk with folks if any of my message or journey resonates with them. Um, I'm not present on social media or LinkedIn or, or anything like that. I don't have a very strong online presence, but people are free to email me and I'm happy to have coffee or video chat or, or anything um, as as folks are interested. So uh, I don't know if you can put my email address. I in will. Just link. send me your email address. And I yeah, folks, folks can feel free to reach out. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. And um, this has been really a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to see you again after a few months as well and to see how the, where the journey has been taking you and to see that you're, you know, to your best ability, of course, every day we're doing our best, apply the tools that you're learning and growing with your growth mindset. And yeah, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for supporting me as well in my, my business um, journey. And yeah, it's been, it's beautiful to know you. Thank you. It's it's really been um, such an amazing journey to take with you. And I appreciate you um, getting us on, on that. You're doing really amazing work out there. So thank you for, for saving us all. (laughs) (laughs) well that's a big responsibility but i'm definitely trying to raise some awareness yeah thank you so much lisa have a wonderful day and happy thanksgiving thanks julie you too thank you
If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely happy and grateful if you could leave me a comment and a five-star rating. If you know someone who would benefit from the information I talked about today, please feel free to share it with them, no matter if it is your friends, your colleagues, and or your family members. You will always find all links and a summary of the podcast in the show notes. It would be great if we could connect on Instagram or via email. You can find all details of how to find me in the show notes as well. In that way, you can also send me any questions that you might have. And as I mentioned, I also have a wonderful YouTube channel now where you can post comments and questions. So please reach out. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your trust. With gratitude, Julia.